Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Mirren Gitter. And I'm Josh Lowe. And each week we take a look at the big stories in the U.S. and what they mean for the rest of the world. I don't know what you were doing last night, Mirren. Um, I actually wasn't watching the Oscars, which is what most people were doing. Um, I was at a different award ceremony uh, called the British Kebab Awards. <laughs> I just find this so ridiculous. Which was really <laughs> bizarre. It's uh, It was uh, at the premier award ceremony for Britain's best kebab houses and Turkish restaurants. So I actually only found out anything about the Oscars when I woke up this morning and scrolled through stuff on my smartphone. But apparently everyone else in the world was watching the Oscars last night. Well, to be fair, I wasn't, actually. Um, I was holed up in a kind of grotty pub in East London. um, And for some reason, I didn't get any uh, alerts about it. But, you know, there there was a big upset. I don't know if you saw, Josh, um, you know, when you stumbled home after your award ceremony. But uh, there was a huge mix-up with with the Best Picture Awards. The the two hosts, I think it was Faye Dunaway and and Warren Beatty, announced that La La Land had won. The cast came up, the music played, they made all these speeches. And then it turned out that Moonlight actually had won. It was basically what happened at the Miss World competition. A little bit more important ceremony, I guess, than the Miss World competition yeah. as well. The eyes the eyes of the world were completely on them. Um, yeah, and it was crazy. And I actually thought it was particularly ironic because when we were planning this podcast, although obviously, of course, we actually just throw everything together uh, off the cuff because we're that reactive. But when we were doing a secret <laughs> planning meeting about this podcast before, we were talking about uh, which kind of angle we should take on this. And we were saying, a, a big part of our discussion was, is La La Land or Moonlight going to win? Like, what does they say about the Oscars? You've got La La Land, this very self-referential film about LA, uh, very white, um, which was the big complaint last year. And then you've got Moonlight, this kind of fantastic uh, drama about being gay, about being black. Um, which one of them was going to win? And what did that say about the Oscars? So it was quite funny that there was this confusion. But in the event, Moonlight did win it. And I guess we're looking to talk about what that means for the Oscars and for the film industry. Totally, because last year the Oscars got absolutely slammed for its lack of diversity. And I think I can reveal a bit more about our secret planning meeting. Josh, Jordan and I, Jordan's our producer, and we, we were cynical. We didn't think Moonlight was going to win. You know, we thought it was going to go to, to La La Land. So I think definitely pleasantly surprised. But also, I mean, it's still pretty bad, right? The Oscars is still not a diverse award ceremony. Yeah, there's still, uh, you know, this year we had the first ever Muslim to be to win an award for Best Actor. We've had, you know, a, a couple of firsts, but they really just reveal how bad things have been before. And so I guess we're just looking to kind of get a bit of perspective, a bit of a sense of why things got to this point, what more can be done to change it, and how much we should feel, you know, be patting ourselves on the back and how much we should be really fighting for things to change next year. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um... So we've got a couple of guests we thought we'd get in, and rather than me talk over them, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Tufail Ahmed, the cultural reporter for Newsweek International. My name is Helen O'Hara. I'm the editor-at-large for Empire Magazine. So I guess firstly, before we get into the kind of nitty-gritty of this and start debating all the sort of deeper, more thorny issues, on a basic level, how did that absolutely mad mess up happen? Just if anyone, on the off chance that anyone missed it, we've got a quick clip here of the moment when... Uh, we realised that La La Land didn't win Best Picture. It did, in fact, go to Moonlight. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is, this is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. It was a completely unbelievable moment. But um, what, what, what happened then? So apparently there are two envelopes for each category. And Emma Stone obviously had one envelope for Best Actress. Somehow Warren Beatty was given the other envelope for Best Actress instead of the Best Picture envelope. So that had been the second last award of the night. Um, He noticed something was wrong. That's why he sort of showed it to Faye Dunaway in the way that he did. Um, He paused for a long time, but he didn't actually challenge it at an early moment. So, you know, we actually had the winners get up on stage or the purported winners get up on stage, give, I think, two speeches, two and a half speeches before the the stage managers managed to... That that was weird though, right? Because the the third guy who made the speech, he did a speech and then was like, but we've lost anyway. He seemed to know, he had been told, he said no already in the background. (laughs) If I had my moment to do a speech, I think I would just get up there and do it and (laughs) then be like, sorry guys. (laughs) Yeah, he seemed to know what was going on. He clearly had an idea that he hadn't won. Yeah, I mean, if you want to give a speech, it's the Oscars. I guess. Millions of people are watching. For me, when they announced La La Land, it was sort of a confirmation of everything I feared. And it was just kind of like, oh, God, well, of course, La La Land's won. And were you guys surprised when Moonlight was announced as the winner? A little surprised, I suppose, but mostly delighted. I felt like it was the better film. Yeah. Um, and and certainly the, the sort of worthier winner. I mean, I know that that shouldn't be the main thing, but but also it does matter. This is the first film um, with an African-American lead cast that's not about racism primarily yes. to win Best Picture. It is also the first film with an LGBT principal cast to win Best Picture. That matters enormously right now in the world. Oh, absolutely. And 
In terms of surprise, I was uh, at the official Oscar screening in in London, and I mean, everyone I was talking to, we were all kind of like, oh yeah, La La Land's gonna take it. You know, we'll just sip espresso martinis, and you know, nothing will. Well, we all know what's going to happen. But then when it actually happened, there was just audible gasps in in the entire cinema, and no one knew what was going on. Absolutely no one. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And without wishing to too obviously plug Newsweek's journalism and drive traffic to the website, but you've done, you've been quite invested in this film in a way, haven't you, Tafail? You've done a few features about it. What, what, what for you is it about it that makes it kind of special? Um, this film is special because I think at a time when we have so much going on in the world, you know, the, the changes in America right now, this is the first film under a brand new president who has been very divisive. And I think the first best picture winner under him really needs to speak to where we are in the world and it needs to kind of send a message. And I, as, as wonderful as La La Land is, Moonlight is a film that does kind of preach about uh, inclusion and it speaks about LGBT rights and it's black people in the spotlight and we really do need that right now and I, I was really worried that La La Land would kind of just sweep the awards last night because it has done but I think a tide has turned over the last few weeks actually. I think actually this I'll be honest this made me like La La Land more than I would have done if it had won I would have been annoyed at it if it won now I find myself feeling warmer and fuzzier towards it but you're right I mean the empathy the sheer empathy and the humanity of Moonlight it's what we need. But can I, you know, ask something a little bit controversial? And I have to say, I haven't seen any of the films that were nominated, literally none of them, because as established in an earlier podcast, I just don't watch any good movies. Last year, the Oscars came into so much trouble for lack of diversity and that Oscar So White hashtag was trending and so on. I totally hear what you're saying, that Moonlight is just the better film. But do you think part of its win was because the Academy is like, we've got to get better at diversity? That may have been an element for some voters. If you ever read any of those what an Oscar voter secretly thinks pieces that people write um, in the run up, I mean, some of them are enormously cynical and will vote for things for cynical reasons. Um, but I do think it's the better film and, and I am really pleased. I think I think Oscar's been quite lucky this year that there's been a, an explosion of great African-American, particularly led films. Um, so I'm not sure that, you know, diversity problems are all solved and we're all okay now. I don't think that's the case, but I think they've been lucky that this year there has been this these three great films in Hidden Figures, Fences and Moonlight. Absolutely. And I think that was a push actually for more of these kinds of films, because I know with Fences, um, Paramount after last year, uh, August Wilson's widow was actually telling me that Paramount after last year's Oscars so white, they were like, okay, we want to put out this film now because we need to kind of respond to this, uh, not necessarily from a cynical perspective of we're going to push this black film into the Oscars, but in response to the need for these kinds of films. So in terms of that, I think what you're actually seeing is a response to the need for these films, but then they actually happen to be good enough to then be worthy of Oscars as well. And what was it about La La Land that didn't quite make it a Best Picture film then for you guys? I had a big problem with Emma Stone's character. I think you, you kind of don't notice in some ways because Emma Stone herself is so charming and so charismatic, but that character isn't a character. She has no inner life, no inner desires, no clear purpose. Uh, she is at best thinly sketched. And that's why I was actually sort of rooting against Emma Stone uh, for Best Actress, just because I don't think we should reward that kind of writing for a Best Actress. Uh, but I have to say, anything that is good about the character, she gave it. So maybe oh, she absolutely. deserves it in that respect. I, I 
I thought she totally deserved it. I am a huge Emma Stone fan and I think she's the best thing about the movie. I would have been very disappointed if Ryan Gosling had won and I think we've seen him kind of be snubbed in, in, in the other awards as well. But Emma Stone, I think, totally did deserve it. Her performance and, and just the way that she gave that character some sort of meaning, gave that character some sort of life and, and was endearing throughout when even, you know, towards the end of film, spoiler alert, that they don't really get together and... What? <laughs> what? I feel like there's a spoiler alert over the whole podcast, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So we can we say should that say that. <laughs> and, and, and so they don't get together and, in fact, they both kind of appear a little bit unlikable, would you agree, mm. Helen? Like yes, near definitely, the end. yeah. But she still seems likable, even though they're not supposed to be likable near that. Just because Emma Stone, because her character makes no sense. None of it makes sense. <laughs> it was so frustrating. And looking at this year's Oscars as a whole, again, comparing it to last year, is it a sign that things are getting better? Because while, yes, Moonlight did win Best Picture and some black actors won, I think it was Best Supporting Actress and Best Supporting Actor, it's still not that diverse, right? One thing that uh, someone wrote an article about this, but there's a real lack of queerness in the in the awards ceremony as well. So where would you say we are? are we Are we good? Are we getting slightly better or is it still quite bad? It's, it's definitely getting slightly better. We're, we're seeing more inclusion of African-Americans, which is a huge step. Uh, obviously, Moonlight has that LGBT element as well. But we do need to start incorporating more ethnic diversity and, and stuff like that into these wards. We need to see Asians. We need to see all sorts of people, trans people, all sorts of people. Um, so I think this is a stepping stone to that. But again, change doesn't happen overnight. And what we're going to see, actually, is in response to last year, these changes, I mean, if you think about how long it takes to produce a film, so two years usually, uh, production time. So we're not really going to start seeing this change for maybe until next year's Academy Awards or the year after because of the period of time that it takes to produce the film, release it, and then do that awards campaign push. The writer of uh, Moonlight actually was talking to the BBC this morning um, and was talking about how there's kind of work still to be done, as Tafael's saying. I think we've got a clip of it. All of the winners tonight can feel that and feel that we need to do pretty important work in the days ahead to make sure that we tell stories that we haven't been telling before and that those who are un underrepresented and those who lack access are are allowed to be and, and be presented and represented in the world. What that made me think was, I remember last year when there was this whole Oscar So White mm. uh, furore, and one part of that was people were kind of naming specific people they felt had been overlooked. Uh, like I think uh, Will Smith, for example, was uh, overlooked last year, which Tavile is, is frowning at. But, oh, yeah, totally but, frowning. That but was you know what I mean? People were, uh, were naming uh, particular things. Are there any kind of... Um, LGBT filmmakers or filmmakers of uh, other kinds of ethnicities than African-American who we think at the moment are being overlooked, who might actually be Oscar contenders already uh, or who might be Oscar contenders soon. I think it's less about worthy films being overlooked. I think the films, you know, we can argue about what was nominated and, and certainly some of my favourites were overlooked in certain categories. Um, I think it's more about which films get made, which films get the push, which films get the support. I mean, you know, a classic example is female directors. We've only had one winner, four nominees in the entirety of Hollywood history uh, for only Best Director. Four. Only four female Best, best Director nominees wow. ever. I had no idea. Um, and, and that's because women don't get the chance to, for example, break out of Sundance. They may get a film that, that is really well received at the festival circuit, but they don't get the chance to then step up to the big Hollywood movie that their male counterparts do. So it's it's that kind of level of opportunity that I think we need to be looking at. It's not so much, oh, certain films were snubbed. It's more about certain films don't get into the conversation. That actually brings up a really valid point. And 
in bringing up American Honey and Andrea Arnold, um, actually that is a snub in my in my eyes. Yeah, totally, absolutely not even in the awards picture for the Oscars. It won uh, at the best film at the British Independent Film Awards. It was up for BAFTA. Andrea Arnold won best director at the British Independent Film Awards. Not even recognised by the Academy, and that is a that is an example of a fantastic uh, film that had just a very unique style. And I think she absolutely did deserve to be in that conversation for best director. Um, I don't know why she was overlooked. I don't know if the film was just not considered big enough, um, or if there wasn't enough marketing put behind it. But I think that was a big snub, actually. You're right. I agree. What do studio execs kind of say when you put this point to them? You know, what's the presumably there's some subconscious sexism involved somewhere but yeah. what's the what's the supposed reason for this so i think you'll you'll hear a lot that women don't want to make these big films which the, the female directors themselves would argue with um i think what their fear is and, and it has been played out on a number of occasions is that there is a perception that you know so a director has to have authority he has to be authoritative he has to have a point of view men generally not all men men generally deal very badly with authoritative women and they tend to get interfered with more, they tend to get questioned more, they tend to get challenged more. And so a, a female director going into a big studio movie is going to have her every move analysed by a studio in a way that maybe her male contemporaries don't have to deal with. And so there probably is a hesitation on the part of some female directors, but there's certainly a huge amount of interference with them and that leads to sometimes bad filmmaking. I was actually um, just reminded of something that Kathleen Kennedy said last year. She was talking about when is a female director going to direct a Star Wars film and she said well there aren't actually any female directors that are on the level of the big male filmmakers to make one of these huge hundred budget hundred million dollar budget films but if you're not giving them the opportunity exactly and where, how are they going to make these and, films and they are choosing these male directors who've gone from you know seventeen thousand dollar movies yeah. to a hundred million dollars yeah. in one step exactly um for those big movies Precisely. jurassic jurassic world for example so do we need to have another hashtag movement for women or for lgbtq people because my worry is um just from having read you know who won the oscars People will be like, hey, we, you know, we kind of fixed the problem. Look, Moonlight won Best Picture. As I've said, you know, the supporting categories went to black people. Do you think there's a there's a risk of us sort of patting ourselves on the back and being like, everything's fine, guys. We're all good. I think where it counts the most is the box office. OK, so if you actually like these films, you need to go out and see them. Um, Hidden Figures in America has been hugely popular, more yeah. popular than La La Land. It's earned more money in America than La La Land. And that film has three central black women who aren't slaves, who aren't mains. They are really smart scientists. And people have gone to see that film in droves. So I think you need to show them, you know, you need to show the film studios, you need to show the awards um, with your pocketbook. You need to show them with your wallet um, that these are the kinds of films that should be nominated year on year on year. Um, and I think one of the reasons Hidden Figures has done so well is because people took to it like that. I agree. I think uh, for female-led films, that's beginning to happen really, really well. I think it also needs to happen with LGBT films. And, you know, we need more films, hashtag starring John Cho, for example. You know, let's get the Asian representation levels up as well, because yeah, it, it can't just that be kind Deb of Patel. thing. It can't just be <laughs> Dev Patel, lovely as, as his hair is, you know. <laughs> but And something else, another stat that's been much more widely reported, but the idea that this year was the first time a Muslim actor was uh, won an Oscar, which was pretty... I, I was amazed it's when I read that. It's astonishing. And that's something else that 
you know, we're talking about is the improvement going to be made here? You know, at the moment, you've got a climate in America which is very hostile to, to Islam and to Muslims. It seems like the kind of time when we need films by and about them. But is that going to be something studios are hesitant about? I, I have an issue with this. I come from a Muslim background. I, I totally think it's amazing that Mahershala Ali is a Muslim actor who has won an Oscar, but they're not, one doesn't, one's not conducive to the other, right? So he is an actor who won an Oscar who happens to be a Muslim. And he's also like a Muslim who happens to be an Oscar winning actor. And I don't feel it's fair on him or his performance in this film to be like, yeah, first Muslim actor to win an Oscar when that's got nothing to do with him being worthy of that Oscar. Um, and I, I've, I've been quite uncomfortable when I've seen those headlines today, I have, to be, I have to be honest. Maybe the reason why people are so keen to tack that label onto him is because it's quite rare that there are any films about growing up as a Muslim in America, oh. all this kind of stuff that people were complaining yeah. about. I, I, I totally well. agree. It's an amazing thing, but I think it's something that we should, you know, we should kind of shout up shout about on Twitter, you know, organically, I don't think it's a thing that should be a headline. I don't mm. think it's news, really. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's tabloid clickbait, in my opinion. I'll tell you what is news. Kevin O'Connell finally won an Oscar on his 21st nomination, which I am so happy about. What a, what a guy. What a wait. So for, who is Kevin O'Connell? Kevin, o <laughs> Kevin O'Connell is a sound editor, okay. um, and he has been nominated... 20 previous times without winning. He held the record for the most nominations without a win. And he finally won last night for Hacksaw Ridge. What a result. And I mean, that, that kind of raises an interesting point because clearly there are plenty of worthy people who get overlooked time and time again, as you guys have... Amy Adams. Amy okay. Adams. Amy Adams. Very upset. Um, so upset. <laughs> but as you guys have talked about, you know, there are also some films that never even make it um, into the Oscars. I mean... How important is this awards show, really? Are we putting too much stock into it? I mean, honestly, it's not important, but it is important. It's both. Um, it's it's very important for a certain sort of grown-up drama that would not otherwise be made if there wasn't an awards season. So the fact that you can go to the cinema between about September and December and see a really strong drama is entirely down to awards season. Uh, does it measure the best films of the year? Not really, because it is so prejudiced against anything smacking of genre, anything smacking of blockbuster, anything that has an explosion in it, you know. So I, I do feel it's 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 both. It it, it it awards a very small slice of what makes cinema great. I, I think it is hugely important. I think I've grown up watching the Oscars. It's it's a cultural institution like anything else. It's 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 like the BBC or it's, you know, PBS in America. It's part of life. And I think just the the glamour of it and, and seeing the stars you know go up on stage and do the whole red carpet thing it's become a, a huge part of our lives like the Super Bowl or the FA Cup and so it has an importance in terms of what it means to us as, as a society it doesn't necessarily mean that it's quite you know it doesn't really mean that it's important to the films or whatever because at the end of the day what really counts is how much money it makes at the box office if more films like that are going to be made. But in terms of its importance to the world, I think no one would have known what Moonlight was if it hadn't been for award season yeah. because it would have just been the smallest film in the world and La La Land still would have been massive without it. That's true. So do you think then the the Oscars, and I know it's already interminably long, but should it broaden itself out? Should it have more categories like, for example, best comedy or best 
Blockbuster, if you even do that, just so that these other films do get recognition. No. <laughs> no? This um, is a prestige ceremony. Let's leave that for the MTV movie. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, you know, the, at the Empire Awards, right, we, we do award by genre, and I really enjoy that because it gives you these different conversations. But I always think that the Golden Globes are hedging their bets by having two strands for their best picture. Um, and I, I don't want to see the Oscars watered down. I agree. I, I think it's fun that other place, places do it. I think I want to have the conversation about what was the best horror movie, but I don't want to have it at the Oscars. Yeah. So given that you've shot down that idea, of Aaron's, um, <laughs> if, if, if you could each have one thing that you sort of hope for next year's Oscars, whether it's a particular director getting recognised, whether it's a particular kind of film featuring more prominently, whether it's a change to the awards themselves, what would you, what would you pick? Um, I would like to see Lin-Manuel Miranda EGOT, so win his Oscar to go with his Emmys, Grammys, Tonys, everything else. Um, I this would, is the writer of Hamilton. That's the writer of yeah. Hamilton, yeah. He was up last night for Moana yes. but lost out. Um, I would like to see Taika Waititi nominated for uh, Best Director for Thor Ragnarok, given that they, they denied <laughs> him cruelly from my favourite film of last year, which was Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, and, and I want to see you know more of these surprising little films that come out of nowhere and just blow us away. I am really keen on seeing Taraji P. Henson and Naomi Harris finally get some awards recognition. I have been so disappointed all season long that, you know, Taraji wasn't even nominated last night and Mm. Suicide Squad has a bloody Oscar. Um, (laughs) That is not right. I now kind of want to see it. Maybe the Oscars don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, your your sort of your wish list for for you to see, for example, Taraji P. Henson get an award, um, for you to see these smaller films getting more recognition. I think all of that requires you know more diversity right diversity in terms of the people who are choosing oscars i mean what can we do to to ensure that well the academy has widened the membership this year and i think that that is probably one of the reasons that moonlight did as well as it did so they widened it to younger people they made it much more diverse much more women much more ethnic minorities that's great um so yes efforts in that respect have to sort of continue so we get the average age of Oscar voters under 60 and maybe less white male. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, I mean, Hollywood also has to just make more diverse films. They, they are paying off, as you said, you know, Hidden Figures, great, great example. All of these films got an Oscar bump, but they would have done better, you know, with, even, even before that, just from these great, great performances. Yeah. And it does come down to not necessarily just the Oscar voters and and who's in the Academy, it comes down to the people that are making the film. So a lot of producers are white males. Um, You need more black producers, female producers. We really need more of those kinds of people because because they are the ones that are going to push these different stories. And and that's why I'm quite interested in seeing like Barry Jenkins win for this because that means for his next film, he's going to kind of have free reign and he'll get to make a bigger film. And that might go into the Oscars as well. Um, someone like Ava DuVernay, she's just taken on a $100 million Disney film. So you're starting to see a bit of that change. So hopefully, you know, it, it does need to be the people that are commissioning these films to be made and, and giving them the budget to be made at studios and, and little production companies as well. And of course, even just stars producing their own work because mm. that is... Reese Witherspoon. That's the way to go. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon didn't see great roles for women, so she just started producing. Yeah. 
So we've had a lot of uh, high-minded conversation there about what needs to be done to change, but let's have, just to wrap up, a bit, a bit more gossipy, let's have what <laughs> is the film to watch for next year of the things that we already know about. Um, of course, maybe no it's You're throwing it, your hands up here. I'm Come sorry, way too early. But the problem is, yeah, at this time of the year, you just don't know. It, we have to wait for, at the very least, can, but really the Oscar yes. race doesn't start until Toronto and Venice in September. Yeah, okay, well, Oscars aside then, what are you both looking forward to? Oh, um, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for Wonder Woman. Um, I, I really want to see a female superhero no. that doesn't suck. No, I am. No, I have, I'm I have hopes. Ex- no. Um, no. I, I had high hopes for Suicide Squad. I'm never oh, going down that road again. Well, I, no, that was a, let us never speak of that. Again. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's we're getting into summer blockbuster season, so yes. I've kind of got that hat on. So <laughs> my favorite time of year. Yeah. So Logan is already great. I can, amazing. I can tell you, absolutely amazing. Go um, watch it. So that that's really exciting, but I'm really excited. As I say, Thor Ragnarok. I'm really excited about you know uh, the new Spider-Man. I just hope that these films deliver. Oh, I am so excited for anything Marvel. So Thor, uh, the new Spider-Man. Yeah, we, we've got our highbrow hats off. At this <laughs> <time>. <laughs> it's all fine. about explosions. It's going to be a fun summer. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, I will. I would say I'll see those films, but we all know that I won't. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, thank you to our lovely producer Jordan for recording it, editing it, doing everything that he does. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened at home. Just a reminder that you can catch us every week on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Acast. Please do subscribe to us and rate us. We'd be very, very grateful. If you can't wait till next week, you can visit us at newsweek.com or pick up a copy of Newsweek. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.